ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so returning to our lessons in بلوغ المرام uh, the ahadith that we've now reached are regarding the times for the prohibitions of the prayer, i.e. the certain times of the day where the sunnah has mentioned that it is not permissible to pray in those times. And there's details to that which will come during these ahadith insha'Allah. So the first of those is the hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, radiyallahu anhu qal, Sami'atu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yaqul, لا صلاة بعد الصبح حتى تطلع الشمس ولا صلاة بعد العصر حتى تغيب الشمس متفق عليه ولفظ المسلم لا صلاة بعد صلاة الفجر uh, Similarly the hadith after that too uh, Also in Muslim عن عقبة بن عامر رضي الله عنه قال ثلاث ساعات كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ينهانا أن نصلي فيهن أو أن نقبر فيهن موتانا حين تطلع الشمس بازغة حتى ترتفع وحين يقوم قائم الظهيرة حتى تزول الشمس وحين تتضيف الشمس للغروب The first of the hadith in the hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri رضي الله عنه uh, He says that I heard the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم say that there is no prayer after the subh The subh the explanation of that will come in the hadith later. What the meaning of the subh is. Otherwise, what we've explained so far, the subh is when the fajr time starts in the morning. But the explanation will come. What does the English say for it? Sunrise. The, 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 the full translation of the hadith. لا صلاة بعد الصبح حتى تطلع الشمس. There is no prayer. After the dawn break until the sun rises. And there is no prayer after the asr until the sun sets. That's in uh, Al Bukhari and Muslim. And in the wording of Sahih Muslim, it says there is no prayer after the Fajr prayer until the sun uh, rises. The hadith of Uqbat ibn Amir, radiallahu anhu, he says that the Prophet. Prevented us or prohibited us from praying in three particular times, or that we bury our dead in those three particular times. The first of them, when the sun rises, up until uh, after sunrise, up until it rises to a particular level. I after sunrise, straight after sunrise, that's a prohibited time until it gets to a certain level in terms of its height, and that explanation will come too. وَحِينَ يَقُومُ قَائِمُ الظَّهِيرَةِ And also in the exact middle of the day, at the time of the zenith, the meridian, when the sun is directly above the head of a person and there's no shadow. حَتَّى تَزُولُ الشَّمْسِ Until the sun then moves away from that pinnacle of the day. وَحِينَ تَتَضَيَّفُ الشَّمْسُ لِلْغُرُوبِ And when the sun gets close to sunset. They are the five times in brief with the explanation of the hadith. Uh, the translation of it, but the explanation will come now 
of those times of prohibition. So these two hadith then, Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah Ta'ala says, they mention certain times when it is not permissible to pray. Meaning the nafal prayer. It is not permissible to pray your nawafil in those times. What are those times? The first of them mentioned in the hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri is مِن طَلُوعِ السُّبْحِ حَتَّى تَطْلُعَ الشَّمْسِ From dawn break up until sunrise. From dawn break up until sunrise. Dawn break we mentioned is two types. You have the false dawn break and the true dawn break. So this hadith would indicate that true dawn break. I.e. from the beginning of the time of Fajr up until the sun rises. From the beginning of the time of Fajr, from the dawn break up until the sun rises. That's what the first time is where the prayer is not permissible. Bear this in mind, it will all follow and the explanation will make it clear. So that's what the hadith says, that there is no prayer after the dawn break up until the sun rises. هَذَا هُوَ الْوَقْتُ الْأَوَّلِ The shaykh says, this is the first time. فَإِذَا طَلَعَ الْفَجَرِ انْتَهَتِ النَّافِلَةِ So if that dawn break occurs, the true dawn break, the time for fajr starts, then after that you can't pray any nawafil, any supererogatory prayers. Just randomly to pray two and two supererogatory prayers, nawafil prayers, after the dawn break occurs, then that is not possible. وَلَمْ يَبْقَ إِلَّا صَلَاةُ الْفَجْرِ فَقَطْ Then the only prayer that is allowed after the dawn break occurs, up until the sunrise is Salat al-Fajr, obviously, the Fajr prayer. That's the one that is prayed in that time. So that is the only one that is allowed. And obviously, the Ratibah that go with it. The two raka'at that you pray before Fajr. Those are the Ratibah al-Fajr. They go with the Fajr. The two raka'at before the Fajr, and the actual two raka'at of the Fajr prayer, then they are the only ones permissible from the dawn break up until the sunrise. In that period, then it is only those prayers that are permissible in accordance to this hadith so far. فَلَا يَجُوزُ لِلْإِنسَانِ أَنْ يَتَنَفَّلَ بَعْدَ طَلُوءِ الْفَجْرِ إِلَّا رَاتِبَةَ الْفَجْرِ فَقَطْ So it is not permissible, the shaykh says, for a person to pray supererogatory prayers after the dawn break, uh, except the two uh, raka'at that go with fajr. Except the two raka'at that go with fajr. Other than that, any other supererogatory prayers, and they are not permissible in that time. La salata witrim wa la ghayra dhalik. Neither your witr prayer, or any other prayer. Liqawlihi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, because of the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, la salata ba'da talu'i subh. That there is no other supererogatory prayer after the dawn break. وَالنَّفِي هُنَا هُوَ نَفْيٌ لِلسِّحَّةِ هُوَ بِمَعْنَ النَّهِي And the meaning of this prohibition is the prohibition of that act being correct. Meaning if somebody did pray supererogatory prayers after the dawn break and before the sunrise, in that time period, then it wouldn't be correct. The correctness of that worship wouldn't be there. وَرِوَايَ بَعْدَ صَلَاةِ subh. There's one narration though it says, there is no prayer after the Fajr prayer up until sunrise. That's what one narration says. بَعْدَ صَلَاةِ subh. After the Fajr prayer up until the sunrise, there is no other prayer. So there's a slight difference. One narration says, from the actual beginning time of Fajr, 
from the dawn break up until sunrise, you can't pray anything else except the two raka'at for fajr and the actual fard of the two for fajr. The two sunnah and the two fajr, the, the prayer itself. That's the only ones that are permissible in accordance to that narration. The second narration seems to indicate that it's okay, you can pray what you want to pray. Supererogatory prayers as you like. But once the fajr prayer has been established, you've prayed your fajr prayer now, then after that, up until sunrise, there's nothing else that can be prayed. That's what the two narrations seem to indicate. So, كَأَنَّهَا تُقَيِّدْ رِوَايَةَ لَا صَلَاةَ بَعْدَ الصُّبْحِ بِأَنَّ الْمُرَادَ أَنَّ وَقْتَ النَّهِ لَا يَبْدَأُ إِلَّا بَعْدَ صَلَاةِ الْفَجَرِ أَمَّا فِي الرِّوَايَةَ الْأُولَى فَإِنَّ وَقْتَ النَّهِ يَبْدَأُ مِنْ طُلُوعِ الْفَجَرِ فَهَذَا هُوَ الْفَرْقُ بَيْنَ الْرِوَايَتَيْنِ So the Shaykh says that is the difference between the two narrations. One of them indicates from the beginning of the dawn break to the sunrise, you can't pray anything apart from two sunnah for fajr and the two fard for fajr, and that's it. The other narration indicates you can pray what you want, but once the fajr prayer has been prayed, that's been established, then from that point onwards to sunrise, you can't pray anything else. الروايه الثانيه تفيد أن النهي يبدأ من صلاة الفجر وأنه فيما بين طلوع الفجر وصلاة الفجر يجوز له يتنفل ويجوز له أن يوتر ولكن الرواية الأولى أصح وهو أن النهي يبدأ من طلوع الفجر But the Shaykh says the first narration is more authentic. Meaning what then? That it's not allowed to pray any supererogatory prayers from when to when. From the crack of dawn, from dawn break, up until sunrise, no supererogatory prayer is allowed other than the two sunnah of fajr, and then the fajr prayer itself, obviously. لِأَنَّ النَّبِيَ صَلَى اللَّهُ كَانَ يَنْتَهِي وِتْرُهُ إِلَى Because the Prophet ﷺ, he used to pray his witr before that time, in the last part of the night. وَيَنْهَا عَنِ الصَّلَاةِ بَعْدَ طُلُوءِ الْفَجَرِ إِلَّا رَاتِبَةِ الْفَجَرِ And then after that last part of the night when he used to pray the witr, once the dawn break came in, he would prevent any prayer. He would prevent any prayer other than the two sunnah for fajr. فَيَبْدَأُ وَقْتُ النَّهِي مِنْ طُلُوءِ الْفَجَرِ لَا مِنْ صَلَاةِ الْفَجَرِ So the shaykh says the prohibited time begins from the dawn break, not the fajr prayer. From the dawn break itself, up until sunrise. Nothing else is supposed to be prayed other than the two sunnah for fajr, and the two fajr itself. And again, there will be more explanation that will come, but bear that in mind so far. That's the first time, from dawn break to sunrise. The second time which is mentioned, is, يَبْدَأُ مِن صَلَاةِ الْعَصَرِ وَيَسْتَمِرُّ إِلَى غُرُوبِ الشَّمْسِ From the asr prayer, up until sunset. From asr prayer, up until sunset. كُلُّ هَذَا لَا يَجُوزُ النَّافِلَ فِيهِ وَلَا تَصِحِ All of that time period, it is not permissible to pray any supererogatory prayers, and neither are they correct if you do so. وَقَدْ جَاءَ تَعْلِيلُ ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ الشَّمْسَ تَغْرُبْ بَيْنَ قَرْنَيْ شَيْطَانٍ وَحِينَ إِذٍ يَسْجُدُ لَهَا الْكُفَّارِ فَنُهِيَ الْمُسْلِمُونَ عَنِ الصَّلَاةِ فِي هَذَا الْوَقْتِ سَدًّا لِلذَّرِيعَةِ بِأَنْ لَا يَتَشَبَّهُ بِالْكُفَّارِ وَسَدًّا لِذَرِيعَةِ الشِّرْكِ and one of the reasons that has been given for that prohibition of praying from after Asr up until sunset is because that is the time when the sun is setting. And it's mentioned that the sun it sets between the horns of the shaitan, the horns of a devil. And that is the time when the disbelievers, they used to therefore prostrate to the sun. The disbelievers, the people of shirk, 
They used to prostrate to the sun at the time of sunset, after Asr up, up until Maghrib. In that time period, the sun is setting. And it is setting as it's mentioned between the horns of a shaitan. And therefore, the mushrikeen used to prostrate to the sun at that time. That's why the believers, the Muslims were prohibited from praying at that time. To not make it look like that the Muslims are resembling them. To not make it look like that the Muslims, their worship is the same as the mushrikeen. The mushrikeen, they prostrate to the sun at this time. If the Muslims and the believers were praying at that same time, there would appear to be some resemblance. So to prevent that resemblance occurring, then the believers were prohibited from praying at that time. أَمَّا فِي حَدِيثِ عُقْبَةِ بْنِ عَامِرِ So that's two so, so far now. Do, uh, daybreak or dawn break, uh, up until uh, sunrise, and then asr up until sunset. The third time which is then mentioned, or there are three more times that are mentioned in the hadith of Uqbat ibn Amr, radiallahu anhu. Uh, and in that hadith, he also actually says that you're not allowed to bury your dead in those times either. You're not allowed to pray in these times, or bury your dead in these times. So what are those times? The first of them, وَهَذِي السَّاعَاتِ بَيَّنَهَا بِأَنَّهَا حِينَ تَطْلَعُ الشَّمْسُ بَازِغَةً حَتَّى تَرْتَفِعُ from sunrise, not the dawn break now, sunrise itself. From the time of sunrise up until it reaches a particular level. And that level is going to be mentioned. From sunrise up until it reaches a particular level. That that initial sunrise time, then you shouldn't be praying. When the sun is initially coming out, up until it reaches a particular point, and then it's okay again. And that point will be mentioned. But that initial time of sunrise, when the sun is first coming out, for those early moments of that sunrise, then that's one of the times mentioned, that you shouldn't pray in it, and you shouldn't bury your dead in it. And the second time, here doesn't mean one hour. In case some of the, the, the brothers or whoever understands Arabic, if you misunderstand to mean an hour, it doesn't mean an hour in the hadith. In Arabic just means a time period. Here it doesn't mean for one hour. When the sun rises for an hour, you can't pray. The meaning isn't an hour, 60 minutes. The meaning of the hadith, even though the word used is sa'a, just indicates a period of time. Like, and that, sorry, a, a time period. Sa'a, normally in Arabic, normally in the usage of the language, people refer to it as an hour. But just to make the point that the word sa'a here in the hadith doesn't mean one hour, 60 minutes. It just means a particular time period. Could be 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It's just a time period. The second one, or the fourth one now, in fact then, that would therefore be our third time. From sunrise, for a particular time after that sunrise. The fourth time is, حِينَ يَقُومُ قَائِمُ الظَّهِيرَ حَتَّى تَزُولُ الشَّمْسِ حَتَّى تَزُولَ الشَّمْسِ In the meridian of the day, the zenith, when the sun is at the peak in the sky, Right above the heads of the people. So there is no shadow. The sun is directly above the heads of the people in the middle of the sky, at the peak, at the zenith, at the meridian. Then at that time, it is not permissible to pray. And that explains to you why sa'a doesn't mean one hour. Because the sun doesn't stay in the middle, stopped for an hour. It will be for a moment. A moment, uh, whatever, how long that moment may be, minutes, whatever, how long it is. And then the sun starts to move and the shadow starts to appear. So that time when the sun is in right in the middle of the sky, above the heads, then that is a time when it's not permissible to pray or to bury your dead. 
until it starts to move across, and then the shadow slowly starts to build. Then the final time, the fifth time, is حِينَ تَتَضَيَّفُ الشَّمْسِ لِلْغُرُوبِ حَتَّى تَغْرُبِ When the sun is about to sink, about to set, up until it actually sets. When the sun is about to set, up until it actually sets. That's the five times in brief. Now the Shaykh is going to explain those in a bit more detail. What those five times mean and uh, the, the rulings of them. So the third time, the third period, which was when the sun rises from in the morning, when it initially rises, then for a period of time after it begins to rise, it's not permissible to pray. So, Meaning that the sun, it starts to rise from the horizon. Uh, that it starts to come out pure and the sun rays, they start to come out. So the sun starts to rise and it becomes visible and apparent. And the sun rays, they come out. Up until it raises, until it rises to a degree in the horizon. And it's mentioned in another narration, the amount that it must be. And it's mentioned, that it is the length of a spear. Rumh is the spear, the weapon that was used in battle in those days. So it's mentioned in one narration that it rises the level of a spear. That, that distance is mentioned. Or in one narration it says two spears worth. One spear worth, or in one narration two spears worth. So when it has raised that amount, and often, often that is only moments. Often that is 15, 20, maybe half an hour at most after sunrise. Often that is the general time period it takes. It doesn't take a long it's not an hour or two hours you have to wait after sunrise. It's often a small period of time until the sun has risen to that level now that the prohibited time is finished. It's just those initial moments when the sun is initially rising from the horizon. Uh, again, the reasoning for that, what's the reasoning being given to not pray in those initial stages of the sun rising in the morning? The same reasoning as before. The same reasoning as the sunset. Because it's mentioned that the sun rises between the horns of the shaitan. And so again, the disbelievers, they used to prostrate at that time. They used to prostrate and they used to do their worship to the sun at that time. So again, the believers were prohibited from praying at that time to block any pathway to shirk ever occurring, any resemblance to the disbelievers ever occurring. So that was prevented and that was stopped. The second or the fourth time that we mentioned, which is the meridian, when the sun is in the middle of the sky, the shaykh says, وَسَطُ nahar, The middle of the day, when the sun is at the peak, حِينَ تَتَوَسَّطُ الشَّمْسُ فِي كَبَدِ السَّمَاءِ When the sun is right in the middle of the sky, وَتَعَلُوا عَلَى الرؤوس, And it's right above the heads of the people. وَلَا يَكُونُ هُنَاكَ ذِلٌّ مِنْ جِهَةِ الْغَرْبِ And there isn't any shadow to the western side. That's the meaning of the middle, the zenith, the meridian. At that time, then it's not permissible to pray or to bury your dead. Until that sun then starts to move across the sky. From the peak of the day, it starts to move across. Then from then onwards, that time of prohibition is ended. 
And now it's permissible to pray your nawafil and whatever a person wishes to pray. Um, the Sheikh then says, وَقَالُوا وَقْتُ الزَّوَالِ وَقْتٌ قَصِيرٌ He says that the, it's been mentioned that the meridian, that particular time period of prohibition is very short. It's a very short period of time when the sun is exactly above in the middle of the sky on top of the heads of the people and there's no shadows. It's a very brief moment of time. It doesn't take long. And then it moves over. وَمَعَ ذَلِكَ فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَجُوزُ أَن تُبْتَدَى فِيهِ صَلَاةٌ وَلَا يَجُوزُ أَن يُدْفَنَى فِيهِ مَيِّتٌ But despite the fact the Shaykh says, even though it's a very short period of time, that despite that fact, that short period of time has that ruling. And you can't pray in it any supererogatory prayers, neither do you go and start burying people in that time. Even if it is a small time. Because some people they might find, or they might consider it to be something not of importance. It's a very small period of time, moments, when the sun is in the middle exactly. But the Shaykh says, even though it's a short time, that is the ruling for it, and therefore these actions are not to be done in that time. It's mentioned, they mention that one of the reasonings for that, is that at the meridian, the middle point of the day, when the sun is right above the heads of the people, that is the time when the hellfire is kindled, uh, when it is lit up, when the hellfire is lit up, in the middle point of the sky. They mention that as a reasoning. The final time that was mentioned, حِينَ تَتَضَيَّفُ الشَّمْسُ لِلْغُرُوبِ تَتَضَيَّفُ يَعْنِ تَمِيلُ وَتَقْرَبُ مِنَ الْغُرُوبِ i.e. that the sun it heads towards setting, at the time when it is heading towards setting. وَالْعِلَّ فِي ذَلِكَ كَمَا سَبَقَ And the reasoning for that, as we already mentioned, because the sun sets between the, show, uh, the horns of the shaytan, and therefore not to resemble the kuffar, or to open up any doors to potential shirk. So in this hadith, those three times are mentioned. This is the second hadith. The first hadith had the mentioning of dawn break to sunrise and from asr to sunset. That was the first hadith. Those two times. The th- second hadith mentioned these three times. Sunrise up until the level of a spear's worth the sun has gone up. I.e. those early moments, initial moments of sunrise not to pray. Also the meridian, the zenith of the day when the sun is at the peak point. And also, just before sunset, when the sun is about to set those final moments, they're not to pray at that time either. So it's a balance. The first initial moments of sunrise, and the last few moments of sunset, and the middle point of the day. Easy to remember. Sunrise at the beginning, sunset at the end, and the middle point of the day. Those three have been prevented from. Meaning, it is not permissible to pray any supererogatory prayers in those times, Neither is it permissible to bury your dead in those times. But the meaning of that, the Shaykh says, imagine now for example, somebody uh, after Fajr prayer, for example. After Fajr prayer, you pray a janazah on someone, for example, and then you want to go and bury them. So you go and start burying them. The procedure of burying begins. But time overcomes you, and the sun starts to rise. So now you've gone into that prohibited time. The initial stages of sunrise. So what do you do? Do you have to stop? Wait for that initial period of sunrise to finish and then carry on? Or what do you do? Correct. You carry on. If you began already anyway, and then you ended up falling into one of those times, you carry on and you finish it off. The point of this is, 
that you don't specify those times. You don't say to yourself, I'm going to go and bury this particular individual at, at the zenith. Tomorrow at the zenith, at this particular time, when it's the peak time, we're going to go and bury him. That's not permissible. If you began half an hour, one hour before that, circumstances arose, you got delayed, and the zenith came in. It doesn't matter. You carry on. Continue and finish off the burial. But the purpose is that you don't specify those times to go and begin a burial. Uh, there are the five times that are mentioned. The rulings are still going to come yet. So certain rulings regarding those five times. But now we've understood the five times. So they are. The first of them, from the crack of dawn, i.e. the beginning of Fajr time, up until sunrise. The second time mentioned in that hadith was, from after Asr up until sunset. Then the three times mentioned in the second hadith, from sunrise, the initial moments of sunrise, the zenith, the middle of the day, and the final moments of sunset, when it's just about to set. The other five times. Uh, now, before we go into the rulings, there's one narration from Imam Shafi'i. Imam Shafi'i has a narration from Abu Huraira, radiallahu anhu, although it's a weak narration, which says that Friday is exempt from those three times, from a uh, from the second time, the zenith, the meridian one. That particular time of the zenith, the meridian, when the sun is at the peak, that particular time, Imam Shafi'i mentioned the narration from Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, stating that on Fridays, the zenith prohibition doesn't count. That on Fridays, at the peak time of the middle of the day, you can pray supererogatory prayers. Just come and pray, two nafal, two nafal, two nafal, pray and pray. Imam Shafi'i has that narration. Even though it's a weak narration. The scholars have mentioned it's a weak narration. Al-Hafid ibn Hajar himself mentions here that it's with a weak narration. Uh, Al-Imam Abu Dawood has something similar from Abu Qatada. Another similar hadith indicating that on Fridays, the zenith, the middle peak time of the day, it is okay. It's an exception on Fridays. Just for that one time, the zenith. We're not talking about all of the five times. The zenith time. Even though these narrations are weak, these chains of narration for these ahadith are weak, there are many examples. There are, for example, other general narrations. And on top of that, there is the action of the companions, which would indicate that actually that ruling is correct. The example of the companions would indicate that that ruling is actually correct. Because you have the general narration of the Prophet ﷺ, or general narrations where the Prophet ﷺ would encourage the people to come early to Jumu'ah. Encourage the people to come early to Jumu'ah. حَثَّ عَلَى التَّبْكِيرِ إِلَى صَلَاةِ الْجُمْعَةِ وَأَنْ يُسَلِّيَ مَا قُدِّرَ لَهِ And it's been mentioned in the sunnah that a person he comes early to the Jumu'ah prayer and then prays whatever he's able to pray from supererogatory prayers. Before the khutbah starts, you come in early, before the khutbah, an hour, whatever it may be, and it's permissible, and it's good, and it's sunnah, that you pray. Nawafil. Pray two, salam, salam, pray two again, taslim, pray two, taslim, continue like that. Supererogatory. Nafal. Two, 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 you continue praying in that way. Up until the imam comes and the khutbah begins and you stop. That's mentioned in the sunnah to do that. Those narrations that mention that, they are general. All they state is that it's encouraging, or encouraged, 
to come early to Jum'ah and to begin praying your nawafil. Two and two and two and two and continue praying like that until the Imam comes to start the khutbah. That's general. There's no mention in those narrations that you stop when the zenith comes in because somebody comes early for Jum'ah. If you come early for Jum'ah, you're going to come before the zenith maybe. It will be before that. Maybe you come very early, 11 o'clock in the morning. You come to the masjid. So you continue to pray your nawafil. It doesn't say anywhere in those narrations, stop at the zenith and then continue after that. No exceptions are made. On top of that, the actions of the companions. It's narrated from the companions that on Friday they would come to the masjid early and they would begin praying the nawafil. And they would continue praying the nawafil up until the khutbah began. And it's not narrated that any of them would stop for the zenith. That any of them would stop for that meridian time, the peak time of the day. So it's not narrated from the action of the companions that they would do that. So therefore these types of evidences which indicate that the Friday is an exception. They would indicate that the Friday is an exception from those other general narrations about praying in nawafil before you come for the khutbah, uh, and also the actions of the companions whereby they used to come and do that, and it's not narrated that they would ever stop for the zenith. That's what Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan, Hafidahullah ta'ala mentions on that issue. So now then, to summarize all of this so far before we get to the rulings, the Shaykh says, you have those five times now. From dawn, the daybreak, to sunrise. Then, from if you do in order now, the sunrise, until it rises to a certain level, the level of a spear's worth, etc. Those initial first moments of sunrise. Then the middle of the day when the sun is at the zenith. Then, from asr up until the sun gets close to uh, setting. And then the other narration actually says, all the way up until it sets. So in essence, you end up with from dawn break all the way up until after sunrise to a certain level. Eventually, you end up with that from dawn break, daybreak, all the way up until sunrise, and in fact, even after sunrise for a certain moment. Then from asr all the way to just before sunset. In fact, all the way up until sunset, and then the middle of the day. The other five times. So these are the five times that it is not permissible to pray. The nawafil prayers, the supererogatory prayers. A person comes in and he decides, I'm just going to pray some nafal. Just for extra reward. They are not permitted in those times. These ahadith, generally speaking, would indicate that all types of supererogatory prayers are not permissible in those times. Even the supererogatory prayers that have no reasoning, a person comes in and he decides, I want to pray some supererogatory nawafil. There's no particular reason, he just wants to do it. Sometimes though, supererogatory prayers have reasonings. They have specific reasonings behind them. For example, tahiyatul masjid. It's a supererogatory type of prayer, but there's a reasoning behind it, which is the entering of the masjid. لا يجس أحدكم إذا دخل المسجد حتى يصلي ركعتين. None of you should sit if you enter the mosque until you pray two rakat. For example, a person makes wudu. When you make wudu, then it is correct for you to pray two rakat for having made wudu. So there's a specific reasoning for it. The janaza prayer, specific reasoning for it. So there are certain types of prayers which aren't fard. They're not fard prayers in that way, but they are. Supererogatory prayers that have reasonings behind them. And others are just 
absolute supererogatory prayers. A person comes in, just he decides to pray supererogatory nawafil prayers without any particular reasoning. These ahadith indicate all of those are impermissible, whether they have a reasoning or they don't have a reasoning. However, uh, and the Shaykh also mentions, for example, tawaf. A person who does tawaf, then after that he can pray the two rakaat as well. Also the eclipse, the prayer for the eclipse, that's a, a prayer which has a certain reasoning to it. So all of these are types of prayers that have reasonings behind them. فَوَمِمَّا تَقَدَّمَ فَإِنَّ عُمُومَ هَذِهِ الصَّلَوَاتِ تَتَعَارَضُ مَعَ عُمُومِ حَدِيثِ أَبِي سَعِيدِ وَحَدِيثِ عُقْبَةِ بْنِ عَامِرِ Now, you have a hadith in the sunnah that speak about those specific supererogatory prayers. The one for tawaf. It's mentioned, do tawaf, then you pray two raka'at. Make wudu, pray two raka'at. Enter the masjid, pray two raka'at. That's mentioned. That you do all of those particular raka'at for those particular actions. Those ahadith don't make any exceptions. Those ahadith are general, all of them. They don't say, if you make tawaf, pray to raka'at, except if it's one of those five times. They don't say, come into the masjid and pray tahitul masjid, except if it's one of those five times. They don't say that. All of those ahadith that speak about those specifically reasoned raka'at, those specifically reasoned prayers, then they are general. Come into the masjid and pray, whenever. It doesn't say anything about prohibitions. The tawaf, pray, whenever. The wudu, pray, whenever. Doesn't give any uh, exceptions. Doesn't give any uh, uh, times of prohibition to do that. Whereas these narrations are saying, those times you can't pray anything. So now we have two sets of evidences. What do we do? One set of evidences is telling us, at those times you can't pray. There is no prayer in those times. The other set of evidences are telling us, well actually when you walk into the masjid, you're supposed to pray too. When you make wudu, you're allowed to pray too. When you make tawaf, you're allowed to pray too. A hadith, sunnah. So how do we combine between those? Because we have two sets of general evidences. So the shaykh says, وَهُوَ مَا يُسَمِّهِ عُلَمَاءُ الْأُصُولِ بِتَعَارُضِ الْعُمُومِينَ Here we have a type of conflict between two general sets of evidences. فَإِنَّ حَدِيثَ بِسَعِيدِ وَحَدِيثَ عُقْبَى عامان في جميع صلوات ذوات الأسباب وغير ذوات الأسباب The prohibition times Those ahadith are general Even they don't say You're prohibited to pray in these times Except the tahiyyatul masjid Or except the tawaf Or except the wudu They don't make exceptions But at the same time Neither do the other ones make exceptions So we have two general sets of evidences That are neither making exceptions of each other So in that instance the Shaykh says there are two opinions of the scholars on what to do. There are two general opinions of the scholars on what to do. Because neither sets of evidences are making exceptions for the other. The times of prohibition are not saying that there's an exception for Tahiyatul Masjid, etc. Those ones telling you to pray Tahiyatul Masjid, etc. are not saying that there's an exception at the times of prohibition. So now what do you do? Two opinions. The majority of the scholars, Al-Jumhur, Qaddamu Umum Salawat. وَأَخَذُوا بِالْمَنْعِ بِجَمِيعِ صَلَوَاتِ النَّوَافِلْ ذَوَاتِ الْأَسْبَابُ غَيْرِهَا The jumhur of the scholars, the majority of the scholars, they took the opinion that the ahadith of prohibitions, they are given priority. 
Many of the scholars, they took that opinion that the ahadith of prohibitions for those times, they are given priority. So therefore, you wouldn't pray any prayer in those times, whether it has a specific reasoning, or if it doesn't have any reasoning at all. You wouldn't pray any of those prayers. فَهَذَا الْمَنْعُ عَامٌ فِي جَمِعِ صَلَوَاتٍ They say the prohibition is general to all types of prayers. لَكِنْ الصَّلَوَاتِ ذَوَاتِ الْأَسْبَابِ فَإِنَّ الرَّسُولَ صلى الله عليه وسلم أَمَرَ بِهَا وَلَمْ يَسْتَثْنِ مِنْهَا وَقْتًا دُونَ وَقْتٍ فَهِيَ مِنْ عُمُومِ الْأَوْقَاتِ فالجمهور منعوا من الصلاة في هذه الأوقات سواء ركعتا دخول المسجد أو ركعتا الوضوء أو غير ذلك. So the majority of the scholars they prohibited any type of prayer in those times, whether it is because of your wudu. And there are narrations if you make wudu you can pray. They said not in these times. Whether it is tahiyatul masjid, of course there are narrations when you enter the masjid and pray. They said not at those times. Any other time okay, but not at those times. لَمْ يَسْتَثْنُوا إِلَّا They did not make any exceptions except one. They did make one exception. They said there is one exception in those prohibited times that we will allow. They allowed one exception. Rather, that, that phrase is incorrect. There, there was uh, one exception that they allowed based upon their evidences and their conclusions. So what was that one exception? Not the Hitl Masjid. Janazah. They said janazah is the one exception. The reason being, because the janazah, it is harmed by delaying it. The corpse of the person, by delaying it and leaving it there. Especially from Asr to Maghrib, sometimes it can be two, maybe three hours. In the days of summer, it can be a long time. So to leave the body just sat there in the heat, etc., it is harmful to the body. It is harmful for that janazah. So due to that harm that can arise, because of the delay then, if you had to wait until the prohibited time went out, exited, then that would be harmful in that instance. So they allowed the janazah prayer, but otherwise they did not allow anything else. And that is the methodology of the, uh, the Hanafis, the Malikis, and the Hanbalis generally speaking. The second opinion, which is the methodology of Imam Shafi'i, and also uh, Imam Ahmad in one opinion, and Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, they say that the prayers that have a specific reasoning to them are permissible in those times. So they gave priority to those sets of evidences. The ones telling you to pray to when you come into the masjid. You can pray to when you make wudu, pray to when you make tawaf. They gave priority to them. They said the evidences, they are telling you you can pray to raka'at when you do these actions. So they said you can do them, even if it is in the times of prohibition. Because these are prayers with specific reasons, and therefore they are an exception to the general prohibition of praying in those times. They said the prohibition is for a person to just come in and decide, I'm just going to pray nawafil. Just going to start praying for the sake of the reward. That they said, okay, not allowed. But specific prayers for specific reasons, they said it is okay in those times. Uh, لِأَنَّ الرَّسُولَ سَلَّمْ أَمَرَ بِهَذِي الصَّلَوَاتِ وَلَمْ يَسْتَثْنِي وَقْتًا دُونَ وَقْتٍ Because they said the Prophet ﷺ, he commanded us to pray these prayers like Tahiyatul Masjid, and he didn't make any exceptions. He didn't say at the times of prohibition it's not allowed. He commanded with those on a general basis. So they said it's permissible to pray Janazah anytime, Tahiyatul Masjid anytime, the eclipse for the wudu, etc. That is permissible at any time. And like we said, this is the opinion of Imam Shafi'i, 
Al-Imam Ahmad in one narration, and Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, and Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan, Allah Ta'ala says, this is the stronger opinion. That in the times of prohibition, if there is a specific reason for a prayer, then you can do it. And that is uh, the difference of the scholars on that issue, and that is the conclusion that Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan, Allah Ta'ala comes to. But these are the types of issues that you wouldn't, you wouldn't become severe on them. This is how the scholars they explain. Al-amr fihi wasi' That these types of issues, there is some leeway. You have, you've seen the evidences now. You've seen the evidences for both sides. And they're both strong. Prohibitions here, commandments here. With these types of issues, if a person did take the other opinion, it's not to the level where you start to say he's a mubtadi'ah. Because he's praying now, and you're not supposed to pray the evidences, say this and they say that. Or if the individual takes the other opinion, he comes in and he doesn't pray, to start saying, you're a mubtadi'ah. It's not like that. These affairs are of not that nature. So these types of issues, they're not issues that you go into that level of severity over. If an individual genuinely looks at the evidences and examines them, and genuinely, sincerely comes to the opinion that you do one or the other, then it's not an issue of, uh, of severity, as the scholars they say. Also, وَمِمَّا يَدُلُّ عَلَى هَذَا حَدِيثِ جُبَيْرِ بْنِ مُطْعِمِ We have the hadith also, which indicates this in fact, the second opinion, that the specific prayers are allowed. The hadith of Jubair ibn Mut'im, radiyallahu anhu, قال, قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم, يَا بَنِي عَبْدْ مَنَافِ لَا تَمْنَعُوا أَحَدًا طَافَ بِهَذَا الْبَيْتِ وَصَلَّ أَيَّةَ سَاعَةٍ شَاءَ مِنْ لَيْلٍ أَوْ نَهَارٍ in this hadith, Jubair ibn Mut'im radiallahu anhu narrates that the Prophet sallallahu said, O Bani Abd Manaf, O Bani Abd Manaf, the explanation of who they were will come. But they were the ones in charge of the Kaaba. They were the ones in charge of the Haram. So the Prophet sallallahu said to them, don't prevent anyone who makes tawaf and wants to pray two raka'at at any time in the night or the day. Don't prevent anyone at any time in the night or the day who comes and makes tawaf and they want to pray two raka'at, then do not prevent them at any time, day or night. So this hadith would seem to indicate that it is a, an evidence to back up the opinion that prayers with specific reasons are allowed at any time, even in the prohibited times. Because the hadith says here now, don't prevent them at any time, day or night. Whenever they want to pray, allow them. Don't prevent them. The Prophet forbade them and prohibited them from stopping the people from praying two raka'at for the tawaf at any time. Whenever the people they want to do that, they can do that, day or night. وَلَمْ يَسْتَثْنِي شَيْئًا And the Prophet ﷺ didn't make any exception. He didn't make the exception for those prohibited times. There was no exception made. فَيَكُونُ هَذَا مُخَصِّصًا لِحَدِيثِ أَبِي سَعِيدِ وَحَدِيثِ عُقْبَةِ بْنِ عَامِرِ So this would then be a hadith which specifies the narrations of prohibition. The prohibitions tell you those five times you can't pray in them. This hadith is telling you that somebody who makes tawaf and then they want to pray the two raka'at for the tawaf, they can do that at any time. Which would therefore indicate that specific prayers for specific reasons are allowed at any time, even in the prohibited times. So this hadith 
specifies the generality of the other one. Does everybody understand? The other hadith is general. Don't pray in these times. This one says, for the tawaf, you have a particular reason to pray now. So that one, you can pray it anytime. Don't prevent the people. Anytime they want to pray, let them. So the scholars, they deduced from this, that prayers that have specific reasons, they can be prayed anytime. Because there's a specific reason for them. So even in the prohibited times. So the shaykh says, فَهَذَا تَخْسِيسٌ بِالنَّصْ Here you have a text specifying those general prohibitions. وَغَيْرِهِمَا مِنْ ذَوَاتِ الْأَسْبَابِ تُخَصِّسُ مِنْ بَابِ أَوْلَى تُخَصَّسُ مِنْ بَابِ أَوْلَى And similarly, all of the other prayers which have specific reasons, then they can also uh, be placed in the same ruling. وَهَذَا يُؤَيِّدُ مَا ذَهَبَ إِلَيْهِ الَّذِينَ يُجِيزُونَ يُجِيزُونَ صَلَاةَ ذَوَاتِ الْأَسْبَابِ فِي أَوْقَاتِ النَّهِ فَيَكُونُ النَّهِ مَقْصُورًا عَلَى صَلَاةِ الْمُبْتَدَأَ مِنْ غَيْرِ سَبَبٍ So these types of narrations would indicate that the prohibition is only for somebody who just wants to pray for no particular reason. Just for general reward. He decides, I'm going to pray nafal, nawafil. He just decides at that time, I wish to pray. After Asr, he prays Asr, he's sitting in the masjid. He decides, just for the sake of it, I'm going to pray some nawafil. Get some reward. That isn't permissible. In those times, that isn't permissible. But if there was a particular reason, the person, he sat in the masjid after Asr. His wudu breaks. So he goes and makes wudu. Now when he comes back, he can pray too. Two for tahaytul masjid, for example, if he went somewhere far to make the wudu. Or two for the sake of the wudu. Now he has a reason. So that's the difference. The opinion uh, which the shaykh says is the stronger opinion is that if there is a specific reason for the prayer, then you can pray even in those five times. But if there is not, and it is just general nawafil you want to pray, then you do not do so in those five times. Um, Bani Abd Manaf, who are they? They are Hashim, the grandfather of the Prophet Wasallam, uh, Al-Muttalib, Abd Shams and Nawfal. And that, it comes in detail in the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ regarding the lineage, etc. So they were the ones who were in authority over the haram. That's why the Prophet ﷺ directed this to them. Ya Bani Abd Manaf. He was addressing them. You don't prevent anyone. They were in authority over the haram. Don't prevent anyone praying at any time. Those two rakahat if they wish to pray. Uh, and there's some difference about what these two raka'at are, some of the scholars, they said, that maybe the hadith can be used as an evidence that in Mecca, you're allowed to pray any type of prayer, even without a reason, at the prohibited times. Some of the scholars, they mentioned that. They said the hadith, even though it says, whoever makes tawaf and then prays the two, then don't prevent them. The understanding that the majority of the scholars they took is, the two raka'at for tawaf. The specific two raka'at for tawaf. But some of the scholars said, no, maybe that two raka'at isn't necessarily linked to the tawaf. Maybe it's just two raka'at of anything. Anybody who comes into the haram, Ya Bani Abd Manaf, don't prevent them from praying two raka'at at any time. Which would then indicate that they say, Makkah, you can pray nawafil even, out of, uh, even without reason at any time. But that is not a strong opinion. That is not a strong opinion. The correct opinion is that Makkah is like everywhere else. So Makkah, the same ruling applies. If there is a specific reason, then you can pray in the prohibited times. If there isn't, then the same, you do not pray. And that is the correct opinion regarding that. 
in the end, then the Sheikh says, to summarize, دلت هذه الأحاديث على مسائل. These ahadith, they therefore indicate certain things. Firstly, this is to summarize everything now. فيها بيان أوقات النهي وأنها خمسة منها وقتان طويلان وثلاثة أوقات كثيرة. It mentions in summary now that there are five times of prohibition. Two of them are very lengthy, and three of them are very short. So somebody give us the two lengthy times of prohibition. So the crack of dawn, either time when Fajr starts up until sunrise, that's lengthy. That's a lengthy time. And also the length, second lengthy time of prohibition from Asr up until the sunset or just before the sunset. They are lengthy times. And the three short times are after sunrise up until it rises to a certain degree. And that's not often long. That's not a very lengthy period of time. Also, the, the middle of the day, the zenith, the meridian, the peak of the day, and also just before sunset. Those final moments of the day when the sun is just about to set up until it sets, that's a short time too. But altogether then you have those five times. Uh, what if a person, for example, went to sleep after Dhuhr one day, like in, our, in these days now, in these days now Dhuhr is at 12.30, and Maghrib is at 4.30. And Asr is at 3 o'clock. Somebody prays Dhuhr and he falls asleep. And he doesn't wake up for the Jama'ah for Asr, which was at 3 o'clock. He gets up at 4 o'clock, just half an hour before Maghrib. Now he's in that time of prohibition. Is he allowed to pray Asr or not? Why? He's in the time of prohibition. You're right, but there's an easy explanation in all of that. It's still not permissible. Even easier than that. The Salat al-Asr is before Maghrib anyway, so you have to, that's upon you, isn't it? All of this, what we're talking about, is the Nawafil. Asr is that a supererogatory prayer? Fard. Whenever you get up, you pray that. That's a Fard prayer. In case, you know, people sometimes, this is what happens. This is why the scholars, they say, it's not befitting for a person to take his knowledge just from books. You read and you take your knowledge. Because then you won't have an overall picture of what the scenario is about. Now, if a person came with that doubt to somebody, they said, look, we've just studied now. Asr to Maghrib is prohibited. Asr Jama'ah was 3 o'clock, now it's 4 o'clock. You can't pray Asr anymore. Prohibited time. But that's what happens when an individual doesn't have the full comprehension and understanding. There's an example of abrogated hadith. There's a hadith which says, authentic hadith, which says... That if an individual engages in relations with his family, with his wife, then the ghusl is only obligatory if fluids are released. Authentic hadith. Authentic. So now, what ruling would you take from that? That an individual could engage in relations, even insertion, but if fluids were not released, there's no ghusl. Authentic. But, sorry, with that uh, narration, there is wudu, isn't it? No, no, we're going to come to another point. But here, the narration indicates there's no ghusl up until fluids are released, even if you engaged in the actual act. But as long as fluids weren't released, no ghusl. But then that's the deficiency of just reading without sitting with the scholars, without getting the comprehension of the issues. That hadith is abrogated. 
And there's the other hadith. إِذَا الْتَقَ الْخِتَانَانِ فَقَدْ وَجَبَ الْغُسَلِ If the private areas meet, then the ghusl is obligatory. But a person who was just reading books came across that hadith, authentic Sahih Muslim, I believe it's in. Authentic hadith, Sahih Muslim. There's the ruling, that's what you do. And that would be as a consequence of not having a grasp of the issues in context with the evidences. And that's what you gain when sitting with the scholars and the lectures and the lessons. Then after that, the second issue, فِي هَذِهِ الْأَحَدِيثِ دَلِيلٌ عَلَى مَنْعِ صَلَاةِ النَّوَافِلِ فِي هَذِهِ الْأَوْقَاتِ وَهَلْ هَذَا النَّهِي عَامٌ فِي جَمِيعِ النَّوَافِلِ أَوْ خَاصٌ بِغَيْرِ ذَوَاتِ الْأَسْبَابِ عَلَى الْخِلَافِ الَّذِي مَا مَرَّ ذِكْرُهُ The second issue is that in those five times of prohibition, the two long ones and the three short ones, the nawafil prayers are not permissible to do. Is that for all types of nawafil, with a reason or without a reason, that's the difference that we mentioned. And the strongest opinion being, or as the Shaykh says, the stronger opinion, the opinion of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, that if they have a reason, then you can pray in those prohibited times. Only without a reason you don't pray. The third issue, فِي هَذِهِ الْأَحَدِيثِ دَلِيلٌ عَلَى صَدِّ الضَّرَائِعِ الْمُفْضِيَةِ إِلَى الشِّرْكِ وَمَنْعِ التَّشْبِيهِ أَوْ تَشَبُّهُ بِالْمُشْرِكِينَ The ahadith also indicate the principle of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah which is to block any pathway to shirk or to block any pathway that will lead to evil. The actual pathway, the actual act in of itself may not be haram. If somebody now, a believer upon Tawheed 100%, prayed at the time of sunset, and he's praying for the sake of Allah 100% upon Tawheed, his action in of itself is that shirk is prayer. He's doing it for the sake of Allah 100%. But it's because of the resemblance that will occur at that time to the mushrikeen, that the prohibition has been put in place. So that act, even though in of itself it wouldn't be haram, but the time and the resemblance and those other factors, then that act isn't allowed at that time. That's what they mentioned by Saddul Dari'ah, by blocking the pathways that could lead on to something greater. And that's like the chapter in Kitab al-Tawheed, لَا يُذْبَحُ فِي مَكَانٍ يُذْبَحُ فِيهِ لِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ That it is not permissible to slaughter in a place where it is slaughtered for other than the sake of Allah. The hadith of the individual who said, نَذَرْتُ أَوْ نَذَرَ رَجُلًا the man who made the vow to go and slaughter a camel at Bawana. So they asked the Prophet ﷺ, Bawana being a particular place. They said to the Prophet ﷺ, he's made a vow to go and slaughter at that place. And this man, he's going to slaughter for the sake of Allah upon Tawheed, in the name of Allah. But this place, he made the vow, I'm going to do it at Bawana. So they asked the Prophet ﷺ, is that okay? The vow to go and particularly slaughter at Bawana this particular location. So the Prophet said to them, Is that a place where the mushrikeen used to worship their idols before? They said no. Then the Prophet said to them, Is that a place that the mushrikeen used to use for their festivals, for their congregations, for their acts of shirk? They said no. Then the Prophet said, In that case, Then go and fulfill your vow. Fulfill your vow and go and slaughter that place, it's okay. Meaning otherwise, it wouldn't have been legitimate to go and make a vow to slaughter at a place that was known for the mushrikeen to be slaughtering there, known and widespread that this is a place of shirk, then it wouldn't be correct to do that. That's similar to the narration, لا تقم فيه أبدا. The ayah in the Quran where the Prophet ﷺ was 
told, do not pray in Masjid al-Dirar. Masjid al-Dirar that was built next to Masjid Quba by the Munafiqeen. Abu Amir, the Munafiq. He built that Masjid with the Munafiqeen in order that they could use it as a place of congregation to make plans against the believers. But they couldn't just build some hall or some place because it would be too suspicious. So the Munafiqeen, they decided to build a mosque, what looked like a mosque, and the prayers would be established, etc. So nobody would be suspicious when these Munafiqeen came together there and made their plots and plans to the extent that they made a plan, we'll ask the Prophet ﷺ to come and pray in our mosque because that will be a stamp of approval for our masjid. Then nobody will ever suspect that these are Munafiqeen and they are planning and plotting in there actually. So they asked the Prophet ﷺ and he agreed. At the time he was on the battle to Tabuk. He said, when we return, we'll pray. So as they were returning, the revelation came down to the Prophet ﷺ, Do not go and stand in that masjid ever. Don't pray in it ever. The revelation came, clarifying that they are the Munafiqeen, and that masjid is Masjid al-Dirar. So the Prophet ﷺ sent the companions, and they destroyed that masjid. It wasn't a masjid in the first place. It was built upon that lack of sincerity to Allah. It was never built upon Tawheed. It was built for the purpose of the Munafiqeen to attack Islam. So that place was destroyed and they mention in the seerah that afterwards it was used as a garbage tip. They used it as a place to dump their rubbish. Because that's the Munafiqeen, they had built that place even though it resembled a masjid and it was going to look like a masjid. It wasn't built upon Tawheed, it wasn't built upon sincerity, it was built for the sake of attacking Islam. So all of that is this Sadd al-Dhari'ah or the point of it being that you block the pathways leading on to shirk. That's why in the Quran it says, لا تقربوا zina." Don't go close to zina. It doesn't just say, don't do zina, don't fornicate. It says, don't go close to fornication. Meaning, don't even tread upon the pathways that could eventually lead you to fornication. Even though some of those pathways in of themselves may not actually be haram. You might be doing certain acts, they might not be haram in of themselves. But they are pathways that lead on to that haram. So he says, لا تقربوا zina." Don't even go close to zina. I.e. don't even tread upon the pathways that could lead you to that. Let alone actually doing it. Uh, after that, the fourth issue, istithna yawm al-jum'ah. What we mentioned about Fridays, that Fridays is uh, an exception for one of those times of prohibition, which is, the Zawal, the middle of the day when uh, the sun is at the zenith. And even though the narration that we mentioned from Imam Shafi'i and uh, uh, Imam Abu Dawood, it is weak, but the actions of the companions, the companions used to do that, they never used to top at the time of the zenith. Similarly, the general narrations of the Prophet ﷺ, that whoever comes early to Jumu'ah and then prays whatever he is able to pray. General narrations not mentioning any exceptions. So Friday for the Zenith is an exception. Uh, also in the hadith of Jubair ibn Mut'im, we saw the specific prayer of the Tawaf being an exception. And that is a clear evidence that indicates that prayers that have specific reasons can be prayed at those five times. Uh, Al-Mas'ala al-Sadisa, the final issue the Shaykh mentions, is regarding that the people who are in charge of the masajid, أن ولي أمور المساجد المسجد الحرام فإنه يجب عليه أن ييسر أمور العبادة لقاصد المسجد الحرام. The people who are in charge and in authority of uh, 
Al-Masjid Al-Haram, then it's upon them to make the affair easy for the people who are coming to worship there day or night, and they, it is not to be closed. And that's why you see that Masjid Al-Haram in Mecca, it is open all the time, open 24 hours a day. And it is not to be closed, and it is not uh, to be shut off to prevent the people doing their tawaf, etc. It is to be left open day and night. Except the Shaykh says, if there are extreme circumstances, some type of fitna which occurs, that causes the masjid to have to close for a certain period of time, they are extreme circumstances. Otherwise, that masjid is to be left open, and the people who wish to worship, they come and they worship as they feel, as they please, day and night. That is with regards to those narrations. And we'll conclude upon that point. And inshallah ta'ala will carry on in two weeks' time with the chapter of the prayer, with the next set of hadith, with the next set of issues, inshallah. وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. in and of itself, the hadith hmm. is a prohibition because the Prophet said, don't sit until you pray. So why does that get classified as an exception also? Tahiyyat uh, al-Masjid, it's an issue in of itself. What's the ruling on Tahiyyat al-Masjid? Is it obligatory? Can we say it's an obligatory prayer? If you do, then you have a problem, which is that then there are six obligatory prayers in the day. Or, or technically you have more than five obligatory prayers then. Hmm. And we know that the obligatory prayers are five. So then the majority of the scholars, they said it's sunnah mu'akkada. Sunnah mu'akkada, the majority of the scholars. I mean, meaning that it's not something you should abandon. It would be a contradiction of the sunnah if you left it. But it's not to the level of obligation. Many of the scholars don't say that it's an obligatory prayer in the same way that Dhuhr and Fajr and Asr are obligatory prayers. So for that reason, that principle wouldn't be able to be used as well. Because the prayer itself doesn't have the ruling of obligation. Like Dhuhr, Fajr, Asr, Maghrib, Isha does. Mm-hmm. If it did, then yeah, you're right. Prohibition and, and uh, affirmation. Mm-hmm. But that's an issue in of itself. Mm-hmm. What, what the ruling on Tahit al-Masjid is. And maybe inshallah it might come later on. You know, I just advise as well that you should, uh, whoever is able, you should try to make notes. You should try to bring your books and pens, etc. to try to make notes. Even if they are brief notes, the main points of the lesson. Because you'll notice afterwards, a month goes by, two months goes by, a year goes by, two years go by, you'll forget. Even though now you go away thinking, I've got all that in my mind. I know those five times, I could read them off now. I know them, I know the exceptions, I know that. Today you know that, tomorrow you'll know that. But you'll notice in a week's time, even in a week's time, we'll come and do an exam. In two weeks' time, in three weeks' time, the memory... As they say, Al-Hifdu Khawan. Memory is treacherous. It betrays you. Memory betrays you. But the paper, it doesn't betray you. So it's good to make notes and have those notes available to go over and to read and to memorize. As for the Sahaba, what's mentioned, there are some narrations that the Sahaba used to dislike writing things down. There are narrations. The reason for those narrations was people who never used to bother to memorize. Some people, they might write things down and they they think that I've got it written down in my book, I have my notes, I'll never bother memorizing them. I won't bother memorizing the actual hadith. I've got the notes. That's what the issue was. People who 
were reliant upon their books and didn't bother to memorize. Or there was another issue which was that at that time when the Qur'an had just been revealed and the Qur'an was being written down in parchments and in papers, then sometimes there was a problem that people might get confused if the Sahaba started writing down or the Salaf started writing down hadith on the same papers as the Qur'an, ayat and a hadith, if some commoner took those or it came into the hands of people who weren't educated, they might think all of this is the Qur'an. Qur'an and then these hadith, they think that's Qur'an too. So because of those types of issues, there are some narrations, some, which indicate that writing wasn't uh, uh, encouraged. But that's because of those situations. Otherwise, they all used to write. It's mentioned from the Sahaba how they used to write. How some of them, they used to attend lessons, and they used to write and write and write, and when their books ran out and their papers ran out, they'd carry on writing on their hands, finish their notes off. So it's good to do that, to keep that knowledge, to have the paper, to go home and to revise it. So I would encourage everybody who's able to do that, bring some paper, bring some pen, even if you're only going to write a few brief notes, even those brief notes, they'll benefit you. Inshallah ta'ala. So we'll carry on in two weeks' time, inshallah.